Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Unless Facebook and YouTube and other platforms are held to account for what they publish, uh, as we've seen in the last few days with Twitter, you know, it's not just a moral and an ethical responsibility. There need to be legal ramifications for Facebook and Google. And I'm absolutely committed to following this through. Hello, lovely people of podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Australian Politics Live. You are with Catherine Murphy, who is the political editor of Guardian Australia, and I'm the host of this show. And in the pod cave in Canberra with me this week, I have Anne Webster, who is a Nationals MP from the seat. It is Mallee, isn't it, Anne? Yes, mm-hmm. the seat of Mallee, mm-hmm. which is in uh, West New North South West, Wales. Victoria. Yes. Victoria. Yes. Yeah, Mallee is, um, hello everyone, <laughs> Mallee is a, just over a third of Victoria ah. and it is the northwest corner. Why did I think it was in New South Wales? That's mad. Because it's, it's way out, yeah. way, way, way yeah, out yeah, from yeah. east coast, yep. Yeah, right. Okay, so I've brought Anne onto the show because we're not really going to talk about politics, although we may veer there, you, you never know, but Anne has had, well, it's hard to describe what experience Anne has had. Uh, remarkable, I think, would be a, a reasonable way to term it, and I'm just keen to hear Anne narrating this in her own words. So sort of framing the conversation at a helicopter level, there's been a lot of unwanted attention or unsolicited attention from a person in New Zealand. So let's just frame the story for the readers. What happened? How did this all start? In April, and forgive me if I'm out, it might be latter end of March, but somewhere around there, my office was contacted by a constituent who said, there is this terrible story on Facebook concerning your boss and you should she should know about it. So, of course, my staff being very dutiful, opened mm. it up, all of them gathered around and then they said, you better come and have a look at this. And when I came out and read the story that had been manufactured, I was horrified, mm. absolutely horrified, as you would be. I mean, the worst things that you could say about a person were said on that page and there and there was a video of a woman making the claims right and obviously we won't repeat them because they're false but give people a broad idea about what the subject matter was well fundamentally it's about pedophilia mm. it's about accusing ultimately it's everybody in parliament everybody in media everybody any anywhere basically who has any authority is connected to a pedophile network mm. And I think the the horror part for me was 
that the woman was claiming that my husband was involved, he's got a general practice, that my charity, which I'd set up, obviously with a team of people, but nonetheless we established in 2012 that works specifically with young mothers mm. who are disadvantaged and we support them into education and employment and it's a wraparound, holistic, place-based, you know, it's a very nurturing environment, yeah. accusing us of setting this organisation up so that we could basically garner children for a pedophile network. It was just horrendous, absolutely horrendous. And, and You couldn't you, say anything worse. Right, and before you'd never... You'd never heard of this person Mm-mm. making these allegations before, never come into contact with her. Like I said, we believe she's in New Zealand, right? That's Well, that was that was when the fun began. Where is this woman? Mm. Who is she? Mm. Um, never heard of her before. She had thousands of followers on Facebook. Like it was deeply concerning. Mm. Who are these people? And, yeah, look, her, her videos were vicious. They were lies, fundamentally lies. So my response was, first and foremost, no one is going to say this about my husband. Mm. No one is going to say this about my charity. These poor mothers being made more vulnerable yeah. by somebody making lies that means that, means that an organisation that supports them, that they turn to for support, they would have cause to doubt. Like it was horrendous. And how do you stop that? It's on Facebook. There was not one post. There was not two posts. There were many posts. There mm. were many videos and it was, it became relentless after the very, like day after day. But after the first one, I contacted a good lawyer friend of mine and I said, what, and he's been a politician. And I said, what am I going to do? Like, mm. what do you do in this event? Mm. And he said, I would contact this particular law firm and I'd ask for this person. And so even though I think it was, I don't know, I actually can't remember what night it was. It might have been a Thursday night. I rang this lawyer and said, this is horrendous. We need your help. And do you have any idea why she targeted you? Well, as I said, she she targets everybody. She targets the PM, but she had a particular focus Mm. for me because I have an uncle by marriage who is currently undergoing or has been charged for historical child sex abuse Uh. in a boy's home in New New South Wales. Dates back to the 70s. -hmm. She just kind of figured that that's it, that's the hook. I'm the same, my husband's the same. I mean... It was just a horrendous linkage that mm. is not true. And besides that, they're allegations and, and he's been charged, but he hasn't gone through a court case yet. Right, okay. And he's 86 years old. Yeah. So in my maiden speech, she she decided to dismember, I think is probably the best way to describe it. For those who are listening, we are in a booth with a skeleton right behind <laughs> me. It's very, very tasteful. And uh, she dismembered my speech and took it apart word by word, mocked it from beginning to end, made allegations all the way through my speech. And of course, I'd mentioned my uncle because he too was a politician way back in the 80s. And he had been very supportive of me to step mm. up. As you know, there are people in our lives who Mm. say, you've got what it takes, you need to do this. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, look, it's just, it was uh, very unfortunate, I think. Mm. Okay, so you, you, you found a lawyer. What did the lawyer say to do? What was the advice? Contact Facebook and tell them that this is untrue. Mm-hmm. Contact them, go through the Facebook process. We tried to do that. That was That's a nightmare for anyone who's tried to do that. It's a maze. Very, very difficult to find which page you go to and then it gives you three options, basically bullying, 
comments about what you look like. Like it's really Mm. shallow and really ineffective. Mm. We did that. He did that as our lawyer as well. And crickets. Mm, Nothing. Nothing. No response at all. No response at all. Mm -hmm. And fundamentally it has taken winning the court case in August for Facebook to actually pull the posts. And did you escalate with Facebook when you were obviously, as you say, you know, just getting, making the complaint saying false and defamatory materials being posted about me, could you possibly do something about it? And getting no response. Did you escalate within politics? Did you get the leader of, of your own party or, or the PM? Oh, or? The, very first, the very first day or the day after I made sure that my leader knew because I thought, well, you know, it's all over Red Rover if mm. people believe this material because you, you have no dif- – what do you do mm. when somebody lies about you outright and you unless you go through a court case and they are found guilty, it's your word against theirs effectively – And there was no, it was all fabricated. There was no basis for the truth. But I still thought it was the right thing to let my leaders know. Yeah. Contacted the PMO. We didn't know where she was. Nobody knew where she was. Mm. The AFP were contacted immediately on the day that my staff showed me the posts. I contacted the AFP. Yeah. They did their searching, but then they're not permitted to tell you anything. Yes. So you constantly come up against no information. Yes. So it's just uh, going down a rabbit hole, really. Okay, and and were the cops interested? Like, uh, oh yes. So they weren't. They oh, weren't yes. dismissive oh, of no. it or try to laugh it off no, or whatever. No, no, no. They were onto it. It's just that they weren't particularly communicative in how they they're were not dealing allowed with you. to. Yes, they told yep. me they're not allowed to tell me where she is, which country she's in, which state she's in. So we had to go through electoral rolls and try and find out. Yeah. I found a minister that she'd actually been in her electoral, in electorate, talked with her, got a bit more. Like I had to do the searching myself. Yes, okay. And is she in New Zealand? Is that where, yeah. that's where she is? And is her real name Karen Brewer? Is that her name? Okay. And do we... Have we established that she is an adherent of the QAnon conspiracy theory or do her views just line up with that particular? My understanding is that she lays no connection to QAnon Mm -hmm. or conspiracy theory, but clearly she's a conspiracy theorist. And it's been a very, very interesting process. What I find fascinating is that although the courts, the the federal court in Australia awarded damages, whether we'll ever ever see a dollar of that will be another thing. Mm. And meanwhile, our costs continue to go up. I think we're around $160,000. My concern is, what does everybody else do? You know, I'm fortunate that somehow I can find the dollars and put it together and actually pay for a lawyer. Mm. But what about everybody else? Mm. It's an atrocious situation. It's why I'm so red hot mad with Facebook and with Google who provide YouTube and who take no responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we'll definitely get into that. Just to be clear, because I think we skipped over it a bit. We've said you've taken legal proceedings. We should explain what you did, though. You took a defamation case, yes? Yes. And uh, Civil defamation case. Yeah. And you were, and the court found in your favour. Yes. And set a level of damages. Yes. But presumably 
you haven't seen them. And is there some way of enforcing the order if if this woman lives in New Zealand? Is there some we're, way of doing we're it? We're still waiting to see how it all pans out. At the moment, I believe she is being called to court, I think, next week for contempt of court mm-hmm. because she continued to post ah. and continued her behaviour. She also, probably fairly unwisely, I think, had a go at the judges right. uh, who are all part of the network, you yeah. understand. So, yeah, look, I think we'll wait and see how the next few court cases, which continue to cost us, mm. like even though it's a contempt of court mm. hearing, we continue to pay. Yes, and and so and your costs are uh, you said a minute ago what what north of a north of a hundred thousand, hundred and sixty thousand. So how are you managing to pay for this? Well, we're about to cruise into the mortgage, uh, you know, open up the mortgage again. Goodness me. Okay, so you've been through a defamation proceedings. You've had a finding in your favour. Mm-hmm. There's the difficulties, obviously, with enforcing when she's offshore and I don't know if the court nominally awarded costs to her, but obviously it's all part of the same problem. You can't recover You can't recover your own costs. Now, let's get back to Facebook and their responsibility in this. So was this woman predominantly posting on Facebook or was she or was she posting on other platforms as well? She's posting on other platforms as well. So okay. Google and um, YouTube obviously uh, specifically are responsible because she's posted quite a few videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. She made the bold claim that when we had the gall to call her to court that she would, if Facebook closed her down, that she would go to MeWe or she would go to some other. And she's got she's back on now right. um, under another name right not not another personal name but a newspaper name and yeah I, I just find it fairly it's a, it's a bit of a toothless tiger I think that if you win a defamation case what does it really mean mm. you know unless Facebook and YouTube and other platforms are held to account as well for what they publish uh, as we've seen in the last few days with Twitter you know, and the postings on Twitter that, oh, they can't take down, you know, because some unbelievably poor excuse. There's just, you know, it's not just a moral and an ethical responsibility. There need to be legal ramifications for Facebook and Google. And I'm absolutely committed to following this through. I've had conversations with Christian Porter Mm -hmm. and with Paul Fletcher, meeting with Paul Fletcher again this week. And I'm on the Social Policy Legal Affairs Standing Committee Mm -hmm. and we've just had Facebook and Google provide evidence, which I was quite outspoken to Facebook. Interestingly, the representative said that she would be very happy to follow up after the hearing. Mm. I contacted her, Cricket's Again. Crickets. It's very poor. So, look, I understand and regular listeners of the pod will know we've engaged with this topic before in in a general sense. The platforms basically say they're not publishers. They sort of, they present themselves sort of like, I don't want to have elaborate metaphors here, but that they're pipes, you know. Conduits. The conduits, right. They're not distributors. They're not publishers. Therefore, they don't have the same responsibilities as mainstream media publishers or even individuals who face defamation actions, obviously, if you defame someone, right? 
So there's that problem that they simply do not acknowledge any sort of publishing responsibility. Can I respond to that? Yeah, yeah, please. If that were true, if they truly believe that, there would be no process that they provide of their own volition for defamation claims Mm. on their website. Explain that. Well, that you wouldn't be able to put in a complaint. Mm. If they didn't believe... They had, that they had some responsibility. Right. So yeah. I don't, I just cannot see how they can get away with holding that argument. Mm. But, well, they continue to have this proposition. They do. The, the other thing with politicians is the arguments from the platforms is, oh, well, look, politics is a free speech business. We don't like to mediate competing claims in free speech debates in what do you think <laughs> it's rolling her eyes <laughs> you can't I am you can't <laughs> see me rolling my eyes <laughs> well no but I mean look I mean in fairness pulling out of this absolutely horrendous scenario that you've been in obviously there are issues I mean I've rolled this around in my mind a lot in a policy sense right it's sort of like the only thing kind of worse than the badlands of the platforms where anything's said and anything goes and any kind of takedown is acceptable is some sort of commissar sitting up in Facebook determining what what's okay and what isn't so I, I'll acknowledge that these are genuinely difficult mm-hmm, issues mm-hmm. at some level mm-hmm. right but in in your case, it's sort of it's it's not a matter of political speech, is it? It's not a matter of another candidate from another political party in your electorate says, you know, Anne's Anne's hopeless and wouldn't work in an eye lung or you know whatever, right? Uh, or thinks bad thoughts or has bad policies. It's an allegation about your character and the character of mm-hmm. your family that is well has now been found by a court to be highly defamatory. So. How do you think we solve these problems? Well, I think uh, some of the work that we're doing even at a policy level is seeking to address this strange land that we've ended up in. I think in many respects it's as though uh, when we're talking about social media platforms and, in fact, digital information technology Mm. generally, Mm. that we 20 years ago landed on this unknown environment and we have to learn to breathe we have to learn to perhaps walk differently you know like the moon there may be different gravitational pulls there are just different effects that happen whether it's speed whether it's the ability for thousands of people to comment instantaneously or to watch news instantaneously we have a new environment and i think that politically we have a responsibility to ensure that policy addresses that different environment Mm. and I don't think we've done it well I think that we're in this really uncomfortable space where we're trying to grapple with freedom of speech with some of the rules that we apply to normal community life normal journalism normal political discourse political discourse that because we're in this weird space Mm. there are fundamentals that I don't think should be that, that need to be imposed, that are not imposed because it's too difficult. How do you monitor? How do you control? How do you have one unbelievably huge and powerful platform mm. held to account mm. for the distribution of information? Do you think things like, because I mean I think about this a lot because I'm I'm very concerned about the active disinformation environment on the platforms. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it poisons democracy. Mm-hmm. 
so how do you how do you fix this? I I think about this a lot. Yeah. Do you think if there was more responsibility placed on the platforms, both as sort of what we'd call traditional publishing obligations, mm. but also just basic things like if you are to have a social media account that you provide ID. Absolutely. You know, it's one of the things that I've been pushing for is mm. that, you know, I mean, as a politician, if I want to set up a political page, I have to provide I don't know how many pieces of identification mm-hmm. to say I am who I am. Mm-hmm. I frankly think that that should be applicable across the board. Well, like if you go to a bank and you Absolutely. open a bank account, I That's mean, right. obviously the analogy is n- not perfect, but you've got to produce 100 points of ID, right? Absolutely. And the, there are those that argue, well, no, you're, you're restricting people's privacy. Mm. But the fact is it's not a private environment. Mm. Mm. Anyone who thinks it is is highly mistaken. I mean, look at the snap, the screenshots that have taken of things that should never have even gone there in the first place and then passed around. Mm. It's not a private environment. It's actually quite a. I don't want to. I don't want to make it too dark because there's there is a lot that is very positive. Oh sure, people get loads of benefits out of social Huge. media. Of course, but I think it's a dangerous place mm. because we haven't got the rules, we haven't got the parameters. You know, if you could legislate goodwill, that'd be so awesome. You know, it'd solve the problem, but you can't legislate goodwill. So you are left with people who are bound by no moral code, bound in their own mind, bound by no sense of responsibility for the damage that they cause. Yeah, it's hugely problematic. And was this experience that mm. you've had is this the is this the only time it's happened to you mm. when 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 you step forward because Anne's a new MP, a relatively new MP, mm. so it happened as you stepped forward for public service. You'd never had an experience like this on social media before. No. No, never. Yeah, okay. And, uh, you know, there, there was part of me, the reason I was so upset about my husband and about my charity and my granddaughter, the awful things this woman said about my granddaughter, were, you know, I thought, well, I'm in a public space. Apparently we deserve to be beaten up by the public because you put your mm. hand up for service. Sign it's a bizarre, yeah. mm. bizarre mentality that I would love to change. And... The, the fact is that the rest of the gang certainly did not sign up for it. I am, you know, I have a real passion to see that politics lifts a level, that we don't continue to play in the gutter, that politics itself is here for a reason mm-hmm. because, you know, I believe that most people when they step into this place actually do want to do good and they want to do the right thing. It's a complex playing field don't get me wrong, I get that. But there's a lot of misunderstanding. There is misinformation deliberately perpetrated uh, against every politician, I imagine, on a daily basis. Mm. Bring us back to what you think the government needs to do about it in quite specific terms. Mm. But just, again, you spoke at the beginning of our conversation just about the importance of getting the, the defamation findings so that you could say to other members of your community, these are lies, this, this mm. is quite... Well, it's not reality, mm. right? What this woman is saying. Mm. How was it in your community before you got the defamation finding? In my actual town, mm. well, I think it's more what it does to you as a as mm. the person who's on the receiving end mm. of that kind of defamation. It creates a sense of insecurity. You don't know who's read it. You don't know who believes it, even yeah. worse. Yeah. So when you're walking down the street, you don't know whether somebody is going to 
you know, leap out and have it. Exactly. Take you on. And when it is so false so and so horrendous, no, it didn't happen other than her followers who got on to champion her cause and tell me what a horrible person I right. was. So organically in the community, no one no one came up and said terrible things to you or that no, didn't happen? No, people sent us emails and um, rang some, again, very abusive uh, that we put down to her followers. 99% of the people who contacted the office were just horrified for me, horrified for my family, horrified because they know that my organisation does, well, now I'm just the founder and the patron, but the organisation does incredible work that nobody else was doing. So... It's been incredibly stressful. It's very stressful for my husband, very stressful to have to wait until the court case had been completed, well, at least the defamation part. Yeah, so, look, I mean, the strain is there still because you don't know who in the back of their mind it's still there and, you know, maybe it is true. Um but, you know, what can I do about that? I've just got to get on and do my work. Well, it's sort of twofold, isn't it? It's sort of like people who may believe it, who may mistakenly believe it, but then also because it's sort of like the whole set of propositions setting, sitting behind those accusations are, well, manifestly strange. It's sort of the discomfort of whether people are operating on the same reality plane as you. Mm. I mean, I'm trying to say this gently and respectfully, but it's sort of that would do my head in as well in the sense that it's not you, you're dealing both with rational actors who may read something and they believe it and then you're dealing with people who are not rational actors. So then it's the stress about what they may or may not do. Mm. So I imagine it's both. Was it both? Or? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the rational actors would ask the question or would want to know what we'd been doing about it. And uh, if I can just skip to uh, other MPs and senators, mm. I received actually quite a bit of well done how fantastic. You are so brave. Well, I was going brave. to ask you about that. Yeah. You are what's, so brave what's been the, and courageous. In our tribe or your yeah, tribe, yeah, right? yeah. What, what's been the feedback? That has been the feedback, mm, how courageous and how brave I am. Um, I've had people from the other side of the house, people from other parties in other states who have contacted me and said, who was my lawyer? Mm-hmm. Um, well, because there'll be more of you. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it, this will because it's about uh, there will be more. I mean, mm. you know, people than you that have had this experience, presumably. Mm. I mm. mean, yours is pretty awful, but there there'd be variations of this sort of experience around the place. I would think. Oh, uh, absolutely, and it's not just the courage; it's you know the financial burden to follow this through. Mm. But I. Look, she was not going to win this over my dead body. She was so wrong and she had violated so many people whom I love that it's just not going to happen. Okay. Now, uh, just two questions. I flagged them in to go, I want you to tell me what you think the government ought to do about Mm, it. mm. The other question just suggested by this last observation of yours that within the tribe there's been all this affirmation. Mm. Do you think, before we get to the government, do you think there's some prospect of um, perhaps some sort of multi-party move? Like we've seen in the parliament in the past, it feels like a million years ago now because we're in a different political age where... Things are more partisan and everything's a bit more sort of, you know, 
less less friendly, shall we say. Mm, mm. I'm old enough to have been here to have seen multi-party efforts on all kinds of things happen mm. over the years, particularly on social policy. Do you think there's any opportunity for you to build a coalition of interest across the parliament to try and pursue some of these things and give more visibility to them? Look, I think so. I think so. It's uh it's an issue and an experience that I think many have gone through to a lesser or uh, I'm not sure whether there's a greater degree, uh, but there may well be. Mm. So I think that, that that is possible. What do I think the government should do? Well, I am I am pushing that we do have legislation that mm-hmm. calls Facebook and whatever platform to account as publishers. There's not agreement with that, of course, but I think you that mean, we need to pursue it in the amongst the ministers. Yeah, you there mean is high not level, in the high right. level. There yeah. is not an agreement about that. But whether that's a matter of tweaking or whether it's a matter of having a completely different framework, I just don't want this to go on for others to suffer. And I don't mean just politicians. I mean for people to suffer. It's very, very yeah. unfair. Well, and as you said, I think towards the beginning of the conversation, it's like you, you. This is terrible, and it's imposed all kinds of psychic and cash, you know, mm. a drain on both of those mm. resources, but at least you do have the resources yes. to deal with it, whereas there would be people in the community with no resources. Well, I mean, and look at look at the other thing that really concerns me about this and why I, I will remain f- focused on doing something about it, the number of young lives that are lost because of bullying online, because people lie about them online. Mm. Yes. What's the pushback at the high levels? Because there was, in terms of that point about the platforms of publishers, this was canvassed when the ACCC had a look at the platforms and obviously there's a set of propositions coming through the parliament about their relationship with media companies, mm-hmm, which I don't mm-hmm. want to detain us on. Mm. The ACCC basically said these guys are publishers. What do, do ministers feel differently genuinely or what's the issue? Oh, I'm trying to get to the bottom of that actually, Catherine. <laughs> That's very I diplomatic of It was very diplomatic. I try. <laughs> um, I, I have got a meeting with a minister this week and my hope is to have a clearer understanding of why he objects to it because... Is it um, Fletcher? Principally, I mean, sorry, we shouldn't name names, but I mean, he is the responsible minister, so I presume it's... Well, I think it involves several ministers, right. really, okay. but this particular one I'm going to see because I want to understand. He's told me, but it was one of those conversations where he went, uh, what was that? Mm. <laughs> again? Tell mm. me again mm. what that was. So I just want to nail it so I can argue for or against it because, look, I'm not saying that holding these platforms to account as publishers is the answer, Mm. but it's the clearest answer that I can think of. Mm. If someone has a better answer, fine, let's do that. But at the moment, I see that these platforms really get away with far too much and are not being held to account so I think that's just got to stop. And obviously you're you're spearheading this push because of your own experience and you, you say you've had great affirmation from within the tribe. Mm, mm. Have you got, uh, can you build more support across the government mm. so that, because obviously ministers' minds focus when numbers appear, it tends to be a magical set of propositions. Yeah, look, I think that it's very important. I have sought to develop a private member's whether it's a bill or whether it's a motion is another thing. I'm still mm-hmm. kind of developing my understanding of how this works in the zoo. Yeah. But I'm certainly, as I said, I'm I'm not going to be sitting 
down waiting for somebody else to do something. To me, this is incredibly important Mm. and it affects many, many lives, not just politicians, not just people who are in the public eye. And I do not hold with that argument, well, the public, if you're in the public eye, then you open yourself to all of this. I do not accept that Mm. as being legitimate. As I said, I think we're on a different planet. We need to work out how does this work so that we're not destroying our community because the fact is that social media is part of our community connections. Mm, Very much so. Which are vital to all of us. When I was going through university doing sociology, we talked about the connection at digital age and the local and the fact that it really is kind of the global. You know, we have that local connection which becomes richer because of digital connection. I think that's very true. Mm. How deep are the relationships at a digital level when people have not met? Yes, I don't. I don't know about that. Mm, but it's it, it, it's it's convenient, if nothing else, in order to stay connected, particularly in regional areas. Absolutely, it's very important. Anyway, that's a great note to finish on, and uh, I, I promise, listeners, we will keep you updated with um, Anne's activities on this front and what the government does. I think this is critically important for the reasons that Anne has articulated during this conversation. So thank you for the conversation. I understand it's difficult at a personal level to have been through these things and to have to talk about them. So I appreciate it and so will the listeners. Thank you also, uh, while we're an appreciation club, to my executive producer, Miles Martignoni, who obviously produces the show. Thank you to Hannah Izzard, who cuts it every week. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Thanks, Catherine. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.